Episode 14, Bill Schmeeds Third. This week, Cole and Rusty have a very special guest, Bill from Mastery Golf Performance. He's a local golf coach here in the Hilton Head area, and we interview him to get his thoughts on the golf swing, changes in technology, teaching, coaching, and of course, live. Here we go. get started we have to give a thanks to our sponsor spartan insurance in greenville south carolina the owner is a friend of the show and a friend of mine jay keller he deals with every form of insurance from personal to commercial and will take excellent care of you and your insurance needs give him a call for a quote today 864-533-3350 or visit his website at www.spartaninsure.com Welcome back to Web3 Putts. This is Cole. I've got my co-host with me, Rusty. And tonight we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Bill Schmeeds III from Mastery Golf Performance joins us tonight. Uh, Bill, so glad you could make it. Hope everybody's doing well tonight. Uh, how, how are you, gentlemen? Fantastic. And uh, thank you so much for having me tonight. I'm looking forward to this. Good, good. We are glad to have you. Um, but to kind of get started, Bill, we want to just kind of, I guess I, I know your story a little bit. Rusty does not. Our listeners probably don't either other than uh, I've been doing my Steve. research, Cole. I mean, we got the number eight instructor in the state of South Carolina here with us right now. Mm. Unless it's changed. I don't know. Is that accurate? I, I'll i be honest. I don't even know, to be honest with you at this point. So, Well, from uh, what I know about the South Carolina uh, instructors, I can tell you there's some in front of you that you should be above already that I know of. So we like to ruffle Don't feathers here. People are listening. That's why I like to ruffle feathers, Bill. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> we we can dive. We can really dive in here. That's uh, hey, I'm but, good with uh, it. Yeah, but uh, just a quick little bio here. Uh, I've uh, so I've been teaching for about 17 years now, and I've been fortunate enough to to work under some. Um, some of the, the best coaches and instructors in the country. Uh, and uh, I've been uh, from the Northeast down to the South. And uh, we moved down to the Hilton Head area about two years ago, uh, where I finally was able to uh, decide I, I want to start to create my own um, business, my own golf studio, be in control of my own destiny. Uh, prior to that, um, I was the director of instruction at a number of high-end private clubs in, in New Jersey, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, I probably wouldn't have been down here until COVID shut us down. So, uh, you know, COVID obviously was a really bad thing, especially up in the Northeast. It was it was pretty wild. But uh, if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't be down here. So it, it all kind of worked out. But um, I've been privileged enough to to spend time underneath a lot of instructors to be around a really good players um, worked with over 20 plus pga lpga corn ferry tour players uh, we still have a fair amount of tour players we work with uh, but my bread and butter on a daily basis is working with uh, quote unquote the average golfer like cole and everyone else that's looking to try and get a little bit of an edge and, and try and improve and dedicated to that process 
So we opened up uh, my, my indoor golf studio here in, in Hilton Head about, uh, shoot, I think it's about seven months ago. And uh, from the time we opened to now, we have over 100 members and we're about to expand. So it's been really, really good. It's um, we're, we're super excited that the, the low countries embraced us and uh, we've got you know, folks that are taking golf instruction, coaching, coming in here, practicing on a daily basis. It's, it's been really good. And that's, that's what I love. I love helping people play better golf. Um, so, so that, that's been awesome. And I've been lucky during those 17 years of teaching and coaching for, you know, some magazines and, uh, you know, award folks to, to, to put me on some quote unquote lists, you know, you can, I don't know. I've got a certain opinion on lists, but but I've been I've been excited to be on some of those, and I'm, I'm thankful for it because it does help. And um, it's 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 great to to make a living as a golf coach and instructor. Because if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what I would do. I'm thankful. I'm halfway decent at it. <laughs> How did you pick uh, pick the Hilton Head area from coming from New Jersey? How did you pick this this part of town or South Carolina yeah, in general? Yeah, so. Uh, so I put a blindfold on and I pointed to a map and uh, I found that uh, I pointed to Hilton Head. No, I'm just kidding. My uh, my wife went to uh, University of South Carolina in Columbia and we used to um, we used to vacation here all the time. Uh, her parents uh, bought a house when she was going to school in Columbia and we used to come on over here and um, and vacation uh, often. And we absolutely love the air. And we always said, like, once we got to a point where we were pretty darn comfortable and we could make, make a move that wasn't necessarily based on occupation and opportunities. This is kind of where we'd want to be. Um, and once I got shut down uh, at, at the private club due to COVID going into the off season, uh, it, it, it just seemed like a great time to, to kind of make that move. We have, especially having a little girl at home, we wanted to make sure that we she could ideally grow up in an atmosphere that was a little bit different from the Northeast, no offense to the Northeast, but just, you know, I, it, it's awesome down here for her to say, you know, uh, no sir. And, and no ma'am and all that type deal. It's completely different how I grew up. And um, you know, it's, it's been awesome to be, be down here since then. Very cool. What, um, but, go ahead, Rusty. No. So Bill, what was, what got you, uh, you know, kind of your start in the golf industry, you know, was it cleaning carts? Was it picking the range? Did you grow up in it? You know, family, how, how'd you get started in, in the golf industry as a whole? Yeah, gentlemen, I'll be honest. I've never worked a job outside of the golf industry. So from the time I was uh, pretty much eligible to work. Uh, and at that time we moved from New Jersey when I was a kid up to Massachusetts on Cape Cod, I think I was, I don't know if I was 13 or 14, whenever pretty much you were first eligible to work at that time, my parents kind of forced me to get some type of part-time job. Uh, and at the time I, I, I hated it, but looking back on it now, it, it's, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So I started, um, I, I worked at a public golf course, um, picking the range and, um, uh, I met a lot of cool people there, but more importantly, I had a lot of fun and I got like a little bug and I was like, this is, this is super cool. I was already playing golf at that point, but I got, I got some other opportunities uh, because I was working there. I got to be able to play and practice there for free, um, which was great. I got that opportunity. Uh, 
I was able to, to develop a lot of skills uh, that I probably would have never developed in a sense that there were certain days of the week where we need to quote unquote, clean pick the range. The so that would mean like going into the woods on the left and the right. And there's trees everywhere, right? So you're punching balls out of the woods and you're like, there's a tree in front of you or slightly to the left. And you got to curve it around the tree in a certain way or hit this ball higher or low. And you develop a lot of, you know, uh, I think skills that way yep. uh, and, and feels that way. And that's, that's how I first kind of got into the golf industry. And like I said, I've never done anything outside of this. So from the time I first worked at that range, I would then eventually started working in the pro shop and then uh, the uh, local club. I originally started working at at the range. They had a sister club also in the same town. So I would bounce back and forth between that pro shop and the other pro shop. Um, and I kind of got the I got a good feel for like what the golf industry was all about. And obviously I was already in love with golf. And then I was like, you know what? So at some point, like this would be a kind of a fun career. Um, and then as I went on and went through high school and uh, went into college. I, I'll be honest with you, boys. I, I, I spent uh, I spent my freshman year at high school or a, excuse me, in college and uh, played college golf and it was fun, but um, never really wanted to go to college. Didn't like school. Um, got through my freshman year, played good golf, made first team all conference at the, the, uh, the school I was uh, playing at, won a tournament uh, as a freshman. Uh, but that, that wasn't really what I wanted to do, you know, shooting low seventies, you know, it's like, I was, I was pretty good, but like, you know, I, I kind of had a good inclination that like, you know, it takes a lot more than that to play for a living. And I never hit it all that long to begin with. And I probably didn't want to do that anyways, even if I did hit it further or my scoring average was a little bit lower. Um, so after that, my freshman year, I got the opportunity from a friend who was already, he was a little older than me. He was already an assistant golf professional at a club on Cape that had a golf academy connected to it. And he was like, hey, our assistant just like out of nowhere a couple of weeks before we're about to start the season, like he's out, like we're looking for somebody, any interest. And I like didn't want to go back to school at all. And I just I was like, I'll take the opportunity. And like my parents were pissed because <laughs> I, I was like, I was I didn't I was like, I'm not going to school. I'm getting in the golf industry. You know, and I had I had no experience. I had nothing. And uh, that's that's how I got into this. And I was lucky at that that first gig. It was called Blue Rock Golf Club on in Yarmouth, uh, South Yarmouth in Massachusetts. And there's a golf academy attached It's the busiest golf academy on the Cape at that time. And Patrick Fannin was the director of golf, director of instruction. He, he kind of did the whole damn thing. He got me going in all this. And, and that's where I really started to kind of fall in love with the teaching and coaching aspect. Um, and I got a lot of opportunities super early on to kind of dive into that and make mistakes and learn from them and ask a lot of questions. And it was absolutely incredible. So the teaching aspect, you, you just got tired of folding shirts. Oh, I figured out, I figured out within three months that, uh, at, at Blue Rock, I was like, I love the teaching aspect. Mm -hmm. I hate, I hate running the counter. I hate running tournaments. I don't like folding shirts. I never want to be a head golf professional. I never want to be a director of golf. I want to help people play better golf. Yep. Uh, I found that out like immediately. And then I did everything in my power to try and 
make that my career and surround myself with folks that would help me kind of make my career trend in that direction. And I was constantly trying to search out, you know, individuals that I felt like I could potentially learn from and grow from to, to help my, my career that way. And I, I, to this day, I do that. I still spend time with a lot of, you know, I've got a lot of good friends now in the industry that are, you know, quote unquote, the top coaches. And I like spending time around them because you can always, always learn something. So uh, I, I learned really quickly, did not want to do anything outside of teaching golf. I guess yeah. this worked out for you. <laughs> it's been okay. So. Yeah. It's been okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, over over my career, I'm probably in like, I would say like the one percentile, you know, there's a lot of people that try and teach and coach golf and it's, they, they, they do an okay job, but like they don't make a great living. I've been extremely, extremely um, blessed, I guess we can say in regards to that. I, I, uh, I've, I've done very well for myself and I, I, every day I come to work, I enjoy it and um it's been awesome. So it's, it has worked out pretty darn well for me and hopefully it continues to trend in that direction. Absolutely. What do you kind of going along those lines as far as teaching, you know, there's been a lot of technology changes probably even since you started in the industry, obviously, and, and it continues to change yearly. Uh, How do you think that changes the way that you understand the golf swing and how you teach it. And then second part to that, how do you think that's changed the game of golf, uh, good or bad? That that's a great question. So I'll be honest, if we just uh, go back to what I was just talking about when I first got into the industry at Blue Rock, which is shoot 17 or 18 years ago, like we had, we didn't have a lot of technology. Like video was kind of like the, oh my God, somebody has video. Like I can go get a lesson from somebody that has video, right? And, and we had that. Now you have so many different pieces of technology that can measure so many things. Um, it it has, I certainly, I think, raised the industry. It's helped so many coaches in a lot of ways. Um, in one, I think just helping the golfers get better, maybe a little bit quicker, but then also um, developing your, your coaching eye a little bit. Right. So I remember I, I was lucky enough when TrackMan first came out, which is a radar unit and measures a lot of dynamics of what's going on with the club and the ball and, and a number of other things. When that thing first came out, I was lucky enough to be able to, to utilize one of those. And the Cole, you know, cause we use TrackMan when you come into our place. Um, the TrackMan now is it's slim it auto levels itself. It's really, it's really point and shoot from, from like my, my computer. The first one that came out four to five generations ago was about eight times the size of it. It took like 10 minutes to actually get level, to aim, to do all that stuff. Um, So the technology itself has come along so much, even over like the last 10 years. And it has helped so many of us as golf coaches, you can be a great golf coach, but there are certain things you can't see with the naked eye. And that comes from whether you're using launch monitors, radars, pressure mats, um, motion capture to pretty much see how the body's moving. Like there's only so many things you can see with the naked eye when the golf swings pretty much, you know, starting and ending within like, you know, 1.2 seconds. Right. 
So a lot of a lot of the technology now is is awesome. And I think it's helping coaches get better. And really how I like it, and I think a lot of other coaches that are doing uh, or being successful in the industry, it helps the the student in regards to the buy-in factor. So when they first come in, they have this one issue and the ball's doing, you know, X or Y, and you can have like, you can just give them a brief explanation on why the ball is doing that. And he's, these are the two numbers in regards to face or, or path, like in regards to what we're doing, like in the initial assessment. And then after you actually make a change, you can then go back and, and, and show the, the player how these numbers have completely flip-flopped. And you can then tie that in with maybe some video or a pressure mat, whatever. But like the technology helps with the buy-in factor. Um, so I think that's that's absolutely crucial. And there's no way, and there, there's this debate in golf instruction now, there, there's no way that all of the technology that's currently out there has not helped our industry, has not helped players. Um, if you look at you go down a PGA tour range. I've been on them. I've watched them as spectators. The majority of players have a track man, a launch monitor in regards to a foresight. Sometimes there's pressure mats down. They have their coaches standing next to them, right? Like this or on their phones every single second. Like they're like, those are the best players in the world. Right. And they're constantly trying to figure out how to shave a quarter of a stroke and get the right feedback in regards to what they're working on. So the technology without that, I don't think we would see what we're currently seeing in regards to the scoring average. And when these guys are playing golf courses that are almost 7,500 yards, I don't think they'd be hitting it nearly as far. I don't like there's so many things that we now have that can measure a lot of things and help players start to move in the right direction because they get the proper feedback. So to me, if I was a golf coach and I wasn't using some form of technology and you don't need a lot of it. I like to have a lot of it because I don't like to guess. It'd be mm -hmm. like if you go to the doctor or the chiropractor, whatever you want to say, and you'd be like, I have this ailment. And they just like, they were like, well, I think it's because of this. Nobody wants to hear, I think it's because of this. They right. want to actually like get a good understanding and be like, well, what's my MRI say? Like what, what, like show me, right? Yeah. Um, especially when you go to the doctor and you're spending a boatload of money, right? It's the same thing. You come to me, you're spending some money. So uh, you want to get the most information, the most detailed um, stuff that you can in order to then build a plan to move forward. So technology, to me, it's like it's absolutely crucial. And as the years go on, it's only going to get better. But it's how the coaches use the technology. So like, Cole, you, you, you've worked with me, right? It's like like I TrackMan gives me a, like 28 different parameters and then I've got my video and then I've got my pressure mat and then I've got anything else I want to do. I could throw about 57 things at you in a lesson, but it's to the coach to figure out, okay, like what's this golfer need? What's the one thing they need? So just, we have this great technology, but at the same time, it comes down to the coach to figure out what do I need to tell this player? What's the one thing I need to tell this player to help them with, whether it's ball striking, start line, curvature, in order to help them play better golf? So on that point, I'm glad you brought it up, especially the PGA Tour side. Do you feel like there are – that some of the guys nowadays, whether it's college, you know, mini tour, corn ferry, PGA, are turning into trackman golfers and less about the feel – Digging it out of the dirt, right? Like I'm sure when you started, it was let's just dig it out of the dirt. 
Um, do you think that some guys are starting to get too re- are relying too much on the numbers for TrackMan, and it's maybe hindering their overall performance long term? I think that potentially that can certainly happen with golfers. I'm not going to say it's not. But you also have to think about, like, let's say the three of us, how we process information, how we think about our games as golfers. It's all going to be different, right? So I think certain folks, certain players maybe need more of that. Certain other players need less of that. I'll tell you what, though, in regards to like seeing all the let's let's say uh, like the track man's behind the players every single day when they're practicing. Uh, once they're typically at the the actual event, unless they're really, really struggling. Um, and I'll be honest, I've been on a lot of lesson tees on, on, like on, at tour events. And the last thing you want to be as a golf coach uh, at a tour event is a player really struggling and focusing on like club dynamic numbers. The majority of the players you're going to see that have a track man behind them or a foresight in front of them, they're really just focusing on like carry and total numbers and some launch stuff. Because on a daily basis, the temperature changes, right? And when they're when they go from let's say a different elevation, they're they're going up and they're playing somewhere, let's say uh, in the mountains, and then they come down to Florida, the ball is going to travel a completely different distance. So they're really looking more so at like d- that morning, that day before they go out and they play, like what's the golf ball doing? How far am I like hitting my, my seven iron? Is that, am I two yards less or two yards more than I normally are? Um, and I think for every good golfer that would play for a living, there's a time and place to, to focus on the technical stuff. And like I mentioned, it, it's like worst case scenario. If you're on a lesson tee on a Tuesday or a Wednesday before a tour event and you're focusing on a boatload of technical stuff and you're focusing on a boatload of track man numbers with your player, it means your player is struggling a lot. Nobody wants to do that. And that's really not the case. That's not why all these golfers have that. Now, in between uh, tournaments, when they're like, they have a week in between or two weeks in between, they'll focus a lot on that. But you have to kind of have a game plan and prepare for where you're at based on your tournament schedule. So do people now, do the majority of players get too wrapped up into playing the track man game or the the foresight game, whatever you want to call it? I would say no from a tour level standpoint. Um, but... I mean, there, there is something to that. It's, it, it's so player dependent. I wish I had a better answer for you. It's so player dependent because you could have a guy that plays four weeks in a row and he plays great golf. And then like, think about Jordan Spieth over the last couple of years where he, he quote unquote lost his swing. He's been trying to make a boatload of changes. And like you watch golf channel, like Cor- uh, camera, camera Cormick, his, uh, his coach is out there with him. And like, you got Brandel Chambly talking about some crap, like he knows what the hell's going on <laughs> yes. in regards to what they're working on, uh, which he, like he's, he has no clue, uh, you know, but, but like, that's, again, that's the coach's worst nightmare. It's like, you don't want that. You, right. you like the player's trying to search and find something. And unfortunately you're like, you don't want to be doing that on the lesson T uh, prior to an event, especially a day or two. Does it happen? Yes. That's mm. like the Jordan Spieth, Cam McCormick thing in like the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, 
but obviously he got it kind of back together and he's playing reasonable golf now. So, but the majority of golfers, they, they're not using the, the, the radar or the launch monitor to be like, what's my face and my path today? And what's my angle of attack today? And what's, you know, you know, what's my low point today? They're really just looking at like, how far am I hitting it right now? Today's 10 degrees cooler than it was yesterday. And we're in, we're in a certain, we're in a certain, um, you know, atmosphere in regards to, you know, like how high or low we are. So it's like that ball is going to travel a different distance. That's really what they're doing. So um, hopefully I answered that question, but no, you did. You did. I mean, like you said, you see it every, you walk up and down a range at quail hollow and every single player has got the track man going. Um, But, you know, I think what you said is right on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if they have it, there warming up. They're just trying to figure out numbers. Yeah, I mean, they wanted, I mean, they're about to go play for a boatload of money. They want to know if today it's 10 degrees warmer or 10 degrees cooler, what is the ball doing that's different because of that temperature, right? Yep. And the temperature and the dew point can affect how far the ball goes. And for when they're playing for all that money, if the ball goes two or three yards further or less, that could be a lot of money if they're two or three yards short of where they need to be. We talked about the, you know, the technology with the track man and, and the different uh, mechanics there. But, and you, you kind of mentioned it, how those guys are hitting it farther now and everything else. How do you think, do you think they're hitting it too far for some of these courses, especially some of the older, you know, more cherished, you know, traditional courses out there that they don't have the room to build it back any further? Do you think right. guys today are hitting it too far? And what are your thoughts on the rollback with the ball and all that? In my personal opinion, I'll try and be as nice as possible here. Don't. Um <laughs> I won't. Well, you know me. Uh, so th- this whole this whole conversation of like the rollback and changing the ball and players are hitting it too far and certain, like you said, cherished golf courses are becoming obsolete. To me, is absolute bullshit. It's it's what what's what's the problem? Even if they were hitting it too far. And maybe they have two clubs shorter into a green than they did, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, what's the worst thing that's going to do? Oh, we're going to see better scoring. We're going to see more birdies. Like, what do you think the general public wants to see? You think they like the general public wants to see one of two things. They want to see a murder fest, meaning like you're either going to set this golf course up where it's unplayable, like Shinnecock, where it's like, like you, like, it's impossible. Right. And guys are literally getting so pissed off. They're just hitting balls off the green, like all of Phil or John Daly back in the day, or you want to see a lot of birdies. So like, I'm, I'm totally fine with, with players, uh, hitting it far, uh, and scoring at a high level. It just shows you how talented golfers are today. And it's not going to change. It's only going to continue to, get better and better in regards to what we're seeing from skilled players. It's like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. And you can say, Oh, but golf, like, like uh, you can say uh, like this golf course, 
uh, Marion, right? You can look at Marion and Philly and you'll be like, oh, but they can only do so much with Marion. Like they're not going to have tour events in, there anymore because they can only push the tee boxes back so far. You can change a golf course in a lot of ways without right. adding length to make it a lot more difficult. You can tighten fairways. You can add rough. You can make the greens. You can cut the greens in smaller. You can put pins in more difficult positions. There's so many ways to make golf courses more difficult without adding length. There's a lot of golf courses on the PGA Tour that are really long, and they still rate as some of the easiest golf courses on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Marion. Eight over was the cut at the two, 2013 U.S. Open, and Justin Rose won it plus one at an under 7,000-yard right. golf course. So I think this is my opinion, and – I don't have the uh, audience you do from tour players, but I think tour players are extremely spoiled, um, and they're the best in the world, right? So they should they should have a little bit of that. But what's wrong with Shinnecock every once in a while? What's wrong with Marion every once in a while? I mean, you're the best in the world. Show it. You shouldn't be bitching about they're losing the course like Zach Johnson did at Shinnecock or um, you know Phil hitting it off the green. Like you're the best in the world. Just go out there and play. This is your job. And I, I agree with you there. But and like there are certain events that we can think of over the last 20 years where they have completely lost the golf course or they put pins in certain positions on Sundays where they've completely lost the golf course. The place is fried like you can't put a pin there. The ball won't stop there. Uh, like so I understand some of the frustrations on some of the players, but if you were to poll the majority of like tour players, like they enjoy hard golf courses, especially the best players in the world, because that means like, hey, I take like at least three quarters of the field out. That right. means I yep. can make more money. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like Tiger. I mean, Tiger never wanted to play those thirty under court, those thirty under tournaments. He wanted. 10, 11, 12. He could get it to 19, 20 on his own, but, but again, that's talking right. about well, the best, I, and this the best is a, ever. This is, a, this is a good conversation, right? So I have, I, you know, I work with, um, I still work with a fair amount of tour players and whether we're going to call them developmental players or whatever, but like guys on Corn Ferry and guys that are on Canadian and guys that are trying to get back out on tour that were on tour. And I just had a conversation with a player and he's like, well, the, like they do a lot of Monday qualifiers to try and get into events. And he's like, well, it's at this one course and it's like, it's a shootout. So it's like, it's kind of a crapshoot. You, you know, you have, you have to go crazy low. Uh, and I'm like, okay, you, you play golf for a living. Like, let's go do it. Be super aggressive. It's like one of the few times you can actually go at the majority of pins. Like Monday qualifiers, it's you're you're trying to go as low as possible. Like you're trying to go at every flipping pin possible. Yeah. In a tour event, you're not going you're not going at three quarters of the pins. You're just not right. Uh, but like Monday qualifiers like that, or it's like like go mm -hmm. like go at pins. Like I mean like do it right it's i mean it's it's a necessity in regards to that hope that wasn't blake kennedy that said that to you <laughs> oh it, it, it wasn't but blake was in here this afternoon he, i he used to work at of, uh carolina country club a lot in of beer, which is great oh good i used to work at carolina country club in spartanburg uh, when blake was a junior going into senior year or no going into his freshman year at um 
at Clemson. And him and I would play golf every single day once I got off uh, my shift. And I saw, I guess, uh, on your Instagram, a video of you working with Blake. So there's some synergy there for me. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, he, he came over here. I'm trying to think of when we started. Um, we just started, I don't know, a month or so ago maybe. He reached out to me uh, based on uh, somebody else he knew and um, – we're getting a moving in the right direction here. And, um, he's got, he's got some things coming up. He's got some Mondays. He's got some other smaller events. He's, uh, I know he's, uh, the next Monday I can think of is he's, uh, going out to Sony. I don't think he's doing the RSM here locally. Um, believe it or not. And, um, and then he's got another, I think he's gone down to Florida in between, today and and the uh the the sony out there and um the dude's so talented and uh very talented yeah yeah i mean it's you know he's never had a lot of help on a number of fronts so what i've tried to do with him is like certainly i try and help you know put a plan together for for his um his his game in regards to you know full swing and short game and management and all that stuff but then more importantly we're trying to help him put, put a team around himself in regards to the fitness aspect and the mental aspect and all that stuff. He's never done any of that, which, which blows my mind because I'm used to all that stuff, working with better players that trying to play for a living. And he's never done any of that. So trying to help him out with, with, with that. And I think, I think he can, I think, you know, there's a lot of potential there and I, I hope it, uh, I hope it all works out for him because he's such a good dude. If you got a good mental coach, send him my way. Oh man, I got I got two of them, man. Yeah, two he, of them. And he some needs of my it best after friend. the ass beating I gave him last week. Uh, <laughs> yes. Mm. Right. Although you, you you got a beer off me uh, yesterday, Cole. I did. I did. The wedge was and a bottle of wine. Yeah, a bottle of wine. I had a great night last night. A beer, wine. Right. You hit it. You did. You hit it to like we had a little closest to the pin with the with the wedge game. Cole hit it to eight feet. I think I was eleven, and yeah. I lost. So yeah, I had a good night. You know, it a blind squirrel night, finds man. a nut, they say. Wow, that's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do a straightest driving one with Cole. Yeah, no, no, no. we goes. don't need the He's big trending. Speed. He's getting better, at least in here, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, gotta, the mental coach I need on the course, maybe. That's right. I got a guy here in Bluffton, Cole. I got a guy here in Bluffton, and he's worked. I mean, he's really good. He works with uh, tour players and professional athletes and, uh, you know, business folks and all that. He's good. And then I got a guy in Tampa as well. You can do some remote stuff with. So you, you just let me know. I would like to do that just for the, just to see, you know, if even if I don't know that I am, a, I think I am a head case, but I mean, I'm not self diagnosing that I'm a nut job out there, but I think it would be cool just to, talk to somebody and it's like not that. even about it's not even about that it's just like there there's so many things that I, a responsible phd type folk can can kind of like talk you through or walk you through think have you think about certain things differently put some things in place to help you out i mean there's a lot of stuff that goes into that there's a reason why the majority of tour players have somebody on their team that focuses on that area i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it can't hurt can't hurt. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I need one just on a daily basis. I'm not even talking about golf. Yeah. Uh, I believe Rusty probably needs one with those four kids, too. There's no telling. Oh, God. God bless you, Rusty. That's yes, what beer's for. Yeah. 
Well, that's, that's why they make beer. True. <laughs> that's right. That's I got this right here, courtesy of uh, Mr. Blake Kennedy, and um, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get a little beer in myself before uh, before I got to go home and deal with my three year old. I don't blame you. So who uh, who do you look at? You know who do you look up to as far as instruction? You said you have a lot of friends that are in the uh, you know all those lists out there. Are there people right now that you really respect as far as or there are obviously who do you really respect as far as what they're doing? You know on a day to day, whether it's a a guy that's on tour, somebody that you know is an Instagram uh, phenomenon, uh, any anything along those lines. I'll be honest with you. The, the people that um, that I probably think the highest of in regards to the golf industry and some of the folks that have helped me the most and some of the smartest people I've ever met in regards to golf instruction, unfortunately, are not on the lists, which is ridiculous. And there's there's reasons. I, well, I don't know if there's reasons for that, but some of them don't even care, right? Um certain certain folks over the years that I've I've either worked under or that have have helped me out um Gary Gilchrist uh who um who who works with a lot of LPGA tour players um works with some PGA tour players when I was working under Gary we we worked with everyone we worked with Yanni Sang when she was the number 1 player in the world Shan Shan Fung she was 3 in the world Charles Howell, top 15 in the world. Um, shoot, Sandra Gall was a hell of a player when we worked with her. Oh, wow. Um, God, I mean, there's – so so he's one of them. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people don't know who Patty McGowan is. Patty McGowan um, – at one time was certainly ranked, I think maybe on top 100. And like, she was, she was the director of um, training for all of the Ledbetter academies. She was kind of like David Ledbetter's right hand woman in regards to training all of his other coaches. And she was there working with Nick Faldo, um, Nick Price. um, God, so many other golfers that like back in the day that, that David Ledbetter worked with. She, she was somebody that, that spent a lot of time with me and helped me out a lot. Um, and she's super smart and super nice. And uh, I'm super thankful for her, but and like the rest of the industry, again, there's so many great coaches and great instructors nowadays. I'm like, I'm, and I'm friends with a lot of them. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on lists and I get invited to, award ceremonies and parties and and that type of deal. And we all get to meet up and we're all friends and it's all good. But like, I mean, the folks that have helped me out the most are folks you would never hear of. And then probably Gary and, and Patty, to be completely honest with you. Patty's the, the women's golf coach at Converse college. Love it. Yes. How do you know that? I (laughs) google.com. Yeah, so 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 Patty, she's like kind of semi-retired now. She uh, she's been doing that for a number of years now, and uh, she's originally from the Spartanburg area, which is right where where the college is there, Division two school. She's like totally turned that whole program around, and uh, like they're they're actually like they they compete and they win some tournaments now. It's it's awesome. 
Hmm. When I was at Carolina Country Club, um, that was right when Converse, this was 2010 into 11, I guess. No, 11 into 12. And that's when Converse was starting their golf program up. Um, and so we invited Converse out to, to practice at our at our course. Um, but Patty wasn't there at the time. I don't remember who the, who the lady was that was the coach, but. Yeah, I think I think Patty started there in maybe 20, 2018, maybe or something okay, like that. Okay. Maybe twenty seventeen at the earliest. Yeah, but uh, but she she's awesome. She's so smart and she's trained. Think about it like this, guys. When you look right now at the majority of top one hundred and top fifty coaches on these lists, Golf Digest, Golf Magazine, she's probably trained almost 50% of them because the majority of those folks went through Ledbetter and there's a lot of Ledbetter coaches on there. There's coaches that start with Ledbetter and now have done their, got, gone and like done their own thing. She trains so many of the really talented coaches that are out there now. Um, so she, she's great. Is that an all-girls school still? I think it is. I don't know. I know it used to be. I'm pretty sure that it is. Okay. They don't have, at least they don't have a men's golf team. Oh. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Do you love wines from Sonoma? Well, it's never too late to stop making bad life decisions. Dedicated to honesty, quality, and family, Bueller Vineyards is a fourth-generation vineyard and winery perched on a mountaintop just five country miles east of St. Helena in the heart of Napa Valley. Situated on 300 acres, their family has been farming Cabernet Sauvignon and Ziffendil for more than five decades. They attempt to combine meticulous vineyard management and minimal winemaking techniques to create wines of uncommon complexity and depth and to present these wines to their customers at a fair and reasonable price. Cab is king and Napa is its kingdom. Recruiting Solutions. Stay ahead of the hire. Recruiting Solutions is a full-service staffing, temp, employment, and recruitment agency with offices located in Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, South Carolina. With over eight years of consecutive top 25 companies to work for in South Carolina, Forbes Top 100 Professional Recruiting, Forbes Top 100 Staffing Agency, and over 30 years in business. Whether you're looking for your next employee or your next career, give Recruiting Solutions a call. Who's, who's got the best swing in golf right now, Bill? You <laughs> looks um, that is a great question. God, it's so hard. Like, so Cole, you probably know this just from working for me a little bit. Like, there, I, I try not to get wrapped up on vanity, right? Like, there's so many golfers that have quote unquote great looking swings, but like. They shoot 95, a.k.a. me. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, like, there needs to be, like, like look at Jim Furyk's swing, right? Like, no one, no one would ever say Jim Furyk's swing looks pretty. But the guy is one of the most consistent golfers that's ever played. So, I look at guys that, that are just world-class ball strikers that from, from shots gained, tee to green, like, are extremely consistent. Um and man, do I've always been a Rory fan, and you got to give it to Rory because he's, I think, number one in the world now again. Uh, like that guy, that guy, if he could figure out his putting yeah. throughout his whole career, would just be 
he'd be Tiger Woods all over again. He would have been I mean, my answer as far as the prettiest swing, and, and personally, in my opinion, I think he's got the best swing yeah, on tour. And for most of us, it's like it's kind of attainable stuff because you look at Rory; he's no bigger than me. I'm five nine, five ten. He's not a tall guy. He's one of the longest guys, and he's one of the straightest guys. And that's hard to do when you hit it as far as he does off the tee, uh, and you're also like one of the most accurate. Like that's really, really hard to do with all the speed he produces. So obviously he does a number of things really good. Unfortunately, every once in a while, he kind of like gets off kilter and thinks he needs to change something and like potentially switches a coach and then figures out that was an awful idea and goes back to the old coach and starts working on the old shit again. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I'll go with Rory right now. I mean, there's a lot of good looking swings. I don't care what the swing looks like. I care about what the ball's doing. Yeah. Who's your favorite player on tour? Who do you Who do you cheer for? Oh God. Like right now I like good people to be honest with you. I like, I not, you know, just being kind of in it a little bit. I, I know who the good people are and the majority of them are good people, but like the really good people, like shoot, I love Jordan Spieth, uh, Max Homa. Yeah. Love, love that. Love that. Like that guy. I don't know how anybody can not like that guy. Um, Justin Thomas is a really good guy. You don't necessarily see it at times. He's a little fiery, but I like Justin Thomas a lot. Uh, God, I mean, there's, I, I just like folks like that that are good people and they give back to the game um, and they appreciate kind of where they came from, you know, because it's a hard, it, it's a hard way to make a living. Like, you, you think you look at back at some of these pictures like uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas were playing in junior golf events together. Like neither of them came from. I mean. Neither of them came from like crazy amounts of money. Right. And they 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 like. They they made it on their own and they used to play in when they were 12, they were playing together in junior golf events and like AJGA events and that type deal. Like I love that stuff. And then to to not. To not take all the stardom uh, so personally where it's like, hey, I'm this mega star and you create this whole different personality. Like, I just, I like people like that. And again, like Rory is the same deal, right? Rory, I love Rory. Rory. I've always liked Rory. I don't like Rory's standpoint on some of the crappy, like since this whole live and PGA Tour thing started. I don't like that crap, but like, I love Rory as a golfer and what he gives back to, to folks and all of that. So um so uh, yeah the, like i would say rory jordan spieth uh jt max home like i like i just like good people that give back to the game so you mentioned live hottest topic in golf we, we have a That's segment right. on the show the live minute uh, Ru- rusty's like a big it. live guy uh, rusty right. maybe you want to take these these questions i'm a big i'm a big golf guy Let's okay just, golf guy this is how we i'm a golf guy so i don't I don't give a shit if you play for Live on Live. I don't care if you play on PJ Tour. I'm gonna watch it. I love it. The best players are there. I'm gonna watch it. Love right. It. I do uh, personally enjoy the conflict and the chaos that it has caused, um, because golf has been, in my opinion, extremely boring over the years and just status quo. Right. So, if you had a player, and maybe this has already happened, um, come to you and said, hey, look, let's say they're a PGA Tour player now. They have an offer from Liv that is exponential. 
and they say, Bill, what's your thought? How do you go about that? I'd say as an instructor and as a confidant. Yeah. I'd say give me 5% and I'm good. (laughs) Uh, No, but in all seriousness, here's what it comes down to. And again, I've been lucky enough to be around a lot of world-class golfers. Um, This is what people don't understand. It's a job. Just like we have jobs. You, when you like that job, you don't know if that job's going to last one more year or another 12 years. Because in, in, at least on the PGA Tour, nothing's guaranteed. You got to keep your card. Right. And unless you're winning events, you don't know. You got to come and, you know, top 125 or, you know, there's, there's other, there's other, uh, there's other things and other ways to make it in events. But like, that's, that's what you're relying on. So, um, anyone that is offered a boatload of money just to show up and then you get to play for almost double the purse and you don't have to play in nearly as many events as what you normally have to do. To me, it's kind of like a no brainer and people don't get this. People, people are so wrapped up on where the money's coming from. Um, and, and how bad it is for golf, you know, that type of deal. I mean, these things happen in, in, in the business world all day, every day. I mean, this is life, right? Like this is how it works. So I have, if a player came to me and they were like on the fence and they got, they were being offered 150 mill to just show up and then you get to play for four mil in event and then plus the team side of it yeah there's seven hundred fifty thousand right and then there's only you don't have to play and you're not obligated to or have to play nearly as many events like it it's kind of a no-brainer and like you like if anybody was just be like think about it and be like hey if, if i was in their shoes and let's say I work for, um, let's say I work for, I don't know, uh, I work for Mercedes Benz and BMW comes over and they give me some crazy opportunity to earn double my salary. And then per, for each car I sell, I get double that. Why would you not do it? Everyone on the planet would do it. And I only have to show up for work six months out of the year instead of 12 months out of the year. Okay. Like, give me a break. (laughs) Give me a break. And like, so, and now they're like, you got it. This is a story. God knows. Cause there's been a lot of stories that have leaked. Now it looks like Xander and Patrick Cantley might be potentially on their way over there too. And it's not going to, it's not going to change because money talks and it's a business. And these guys think about it like that. The majority of these guys think about it like that. A very small amount, the Tiger Woods, the Rory McIlroys, the the greats in golf, they care about legacies and all of that crap, right? Majority golfers that play for a living, they they don't think think about that. They think about like their family. They think about like like what what what's the future look like? I only have this small little window to make a lot of money. Why would you not do it? Well said. Yeah. Very well said. I like it. You might have got coal on the (laughs) My biggest thing, and I think I've told both of you this before, but I don't like the shotgun start, and maybe they'll fix this, but I can't stand that. I think the golf course is supposed to be played in a certain sequence, 
and I, and it's so hard to watch. I can't tell where anybody's at. Um, so that's my listen. Biggest I would I would agree with you there. It is it is a little um, it is kind of hard to figure out what's going on. Yeah, in a sense, I, I think they're going to figure all that out. It's it's it, I mean they're in the infancy stages, right? Like they're still trying to figure it out. I think eventually, I it wouldn't be surprising if they went to seventy two holes. And they, they maybe change this up a little bit because think about it like this. Yeah. The more players they get, you, the more Xander Shoffley's and the more Patrick Cantley's and the more the best players in the world they get and their fields are going to be way better. And they're, they're going to have to they're going to have to have more players in a field outside of whatever the 48 or whatever they're calling it right now. Right. So like yep. they're, they're going to have to evolve and figure that out. Um, and I think it's going to change. And I think eventually they're going to figure out how to get some world ranking points. And I think somebody's going to give them a TV contract where they're not paying Fox <laughs> sports to actually right. get on TV. Like, because the best players in the world, it's like the, a lot of them, they're going to be on the live tour. Like right now, if you look at it, like you look at, there's a lot of really, really good players uh, that are on the live tour. I mean, mm-hmm. would you rather watch the Barbasol or, or like the event uh, in, in what the Bahamas last week or two weeks ago? Uh, or would you watch rather watch a live event where like you got like you got some really really good players? Uh, so yeah, I mean it's you, as uh, like Rusty said, like we want to watch good golf. I don't care if it's PGA Tour, I don't care if it's live. We want to watch good golf, and I hope at some point, and I don't think it's ever going to come to this, but I wish at some point they'd figure out a way to to like come and 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 do some co-sanctioned type events and allow players to play in like each each other's events and you know because it's it's just it's better for golf agreed i think um i think greg norman being there is the the biggest hurdle for both sides i think i think live can really explode if they get somebody else in there, I mean, I feel like Greg was just there to just fuck shit up. Like, I'm here. This is this is what I'm gonna do. I'm good at it. I'm a hell of a businessman. I'm gonna go get all these guys. I'm gonna get the number two player in the world. I'm gonna get DJ. I'm gonna get Phil. Um, but then they're gonna kind of bring the big boys in to to run it the way it should be. And then they're gonna, at least I hope there will, like you mentioned, some some co-sanctioned or. Even just the ability to play. All right, you want to play the PGA Tour too? Fine. You got to play fourteen events. Right. So you got fourteen live. You got fourteen PGA, and then you know four of those can be the majors. So right. Or like, hey, if, I, I if you've got PGA Tour members that aren't part of live and they want to play in some of our events, live kicks back X amount to the PGA Tour. Figure it out, right? Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Greg Norman fan. I'm I'm not. But you got to give that guy credit in regards to. Like I remember less it was it was like a year ago. People were like, the Lib Tour is never even gonna get off the ground. And now look at it. Look, look, look at all the yeah. look at all the players that they've been able to get over there. And sure, does money talk? Absolutely. But like, I'll be honest with you, when they first were starting these conversations, I never thought the Lib Tour early on within a year or less than a year, whatever it might be at this point, would be where it's at right now. With, with the players it has. Yep. So I think there's a lot of that you have to you have to give to Greg Norman. And I think he is the catalyst in regards to a lot of this. Sure, he has backing in regards to the financial funds and everything else. But I think there's something to players coming on over and like 
I think Greg is, is a part of that. So again, not a Greg Norman fan, but I think he's done a really good job for him. And I think it would honestly be a mistake if they actually let him go because God knows who you're going to get to try and replace him and what that, what happens afterwards. You can't screw up a good thing because right now they got a really good thing going on in regards to the players they're pulling from the tour. It'd be like if, um, if the, (laughs) I'm a big football fan. It'd be like if uh, Vince McMahon and the XFL comes back and somehow they got the Saudis or somebody else with a lot of money to come on in. And now they're pulling all these NFL players and they're doing this. And it's because of Vince McMahon or some other guy. You can't get rid of that guy. He's pulling a lot of players over it. Like there's something to that. Right. So I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't think I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that to change. And I know Greg Norman has this vendetta for the PGA tour. He has had it for forever. Right. Yeah. Like I, I know they say they're trying to do the best for golf. I'm not, I, I don't buy into that. They're trying to do the best for live, but I think it long-term, it would be good for, for us as people and eyeballs to watch. Right. Um, Cause we just want to watch good golf. That's right. That's it. What? So uh, going back off of live here for a minute. Let's go back to your your teaching, coaching. Have you ever turned down somebody that's come in to to maybe work with you or get a lesson? Uh, or is there a reason that you would turn someone down? I do it often. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so, and I'll say it this way. Um, I think regardless of if you're a if you're a golfer and you're trying to get better, right? There needs to be a good fit personality-wise um what the player's trying to accomplish and what the coach can potentially provide them. Um now the average golfer that comes in my door that's really struggling, I don't turn a lot of them down unless like it's just I I'm like, listen, you're the personality. I, I don't want to spend my time with you because, because of X, Y, or Z, right? That's, that's like, that's super rare. That's the 1%. But there are a lot of folks that are, I shouldn't say a lot of folks, but there are some folks that are trying to play professionally or currently playing professionally that will have a session or two with. And it's just like, I don't, it's just not a good fit on my standpoint. And I, I prefer, I prefer to spend my time. I don't have a lot of time, right? I'm super busy. And um, when I do spend my time with with my players, I want to make sure that the players are the players I want personality wise, dedication wise. And really what I mean by personality wise is like, I don't know if I can say it on here, but like I don't want assholes. I don't want people that think they know it all. And I don't want people that would speak down on a bunch of other people, including myself or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. Sometimes we get some folks in here and I've worked with a number of tour pros. Um, and it's funny how that works in regards to the tour pros, like the journeyman tour pros that nobody ever hears, hear about. like they're a couple of them I can think of, like they're more the challenging folks. Right. And it's like, I don't want to spend a lot of time with you. You know, it's like, I can help you with your game, but it's, it's a constant rebuttal and I'm trying to help you. And it's, it's just like, it's a war the whole time. And from, it's like a, it's a personality clash, right? So absolutely. uh, It needs to be a fit. 
And I would say that to anybody that, that potentially might listen to this, when you first see a golf coach or instructor for the first time, like you certainly should be able to see like better shots in regards to like, whether it's better ball striking, the golf ball curving in a different direction than normal, whatever it might be. But you also got to make sure like, would I actually want to spend time with this person? Because that's what you're going to do when you're with a golf coach. Like, yeah, you got to get better. But like, do I enjoy my time? I'm I'm spending like 200 bucks an hour. Do I want to spend time with this person? Um. So yeah, I mean, I absolutely. I've I've I've, I've done that a lot. I, I, you know, I'm like, hey, thank you. I I I appreciate it. But like, I I unfortunately I can't fit you in anymore. You know, it's like, and there's a lot of us like that. Um. It's just not worth it because it needs to fit on both sides, whether it's the instructor, whether it's the instructor side or the coat or the, uh, the, uh, the player side. So when are you firing Steve? Oh, don't say that. He's probably one. <laughs> He's a big God listener. Damn, He'll hear this. In trouble here. <laughs> me in trouble here. Oh man. Steve's, so listen, Steve, I, I love Steve on so many, on, 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 uh, on so many standpoints. Obviously he like found that he helped us find the house uh, he, he was, he was great there, you know? So like, uh, Steve's, Steve's great. He's passionate. People that are passionate, you know, sometimes are a little fiery and sometimes, you know, you know how it is. Cole. Oh yeah. Yeah. Steve's my number two fan. Probably he'll, he'll be listening tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So exactly. Like, uh, Steve, I'm not firing you yet. <laughs> uh. Bill, do you do section events? You still play, or is it just teaching all the time? I'll be honest. I I, um, I haven't played in a section event probably since 2013. Oh, wow. Um, I teach six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. And if I'm not teaching seven days a week, that's seven day of the week, I'm doing – paying bills, um, doing admin stuff. Um, I, and I, that's, I'll be honest, I prefer to do that. Um, I'm not playing for a living. Uh, I'm not on the PGA tour. I'm not on the corn Ferry tour. I enjoy helping golfers get better. So like, I don't get an opportunity to really practice or play much. I demonstrate and hit shots in here and, and, and show folks certain things. So I certainly like still hit golf balls and I still have like my edge, I guess you can say, but in regards to actually competing in an event, it's been a really long time and I'm okay with that. Now, you know, maybe at some point I'd like to start doing more of that, but, um, it's been a really long time. And I used to enjoy the, I used to enjoy the crap out of that. I used to prepare a bunch for it and, but it's just, I, I, I took the time and I blocked the time to do it. I wasn't as busy. I could make it work, but now it's, it's a different ball game. And, and I'm, I wouldn't want to try and block the time or take the time away from other golfers that are trying to get in my book, you know, at this point, I, I just really like, I help, I like helping golfers. So I really don't get to compete much that when I play golf now, <laughs> I had to ask my assistant yesterday because that's the only time I really play golf now is with my assistant, Christian, who Cole knows. Uh, I was like, when was the last time we played Christian? And he goes, your birthday. And I think when my birthday was, and I was like, oh, September 4th. That was the last time I touched the club. We played nine holes. Um, so it's that type of deal. Like I'll play like, I'll play nine holes every couple of months right now because of how busy everything is. 
which for some folks wouldn't, wouldn't be good. But for me, like I love teaching and coaching and I wouldn't want to take a day away from some, like away from 12 golfers to come in here and, and get better. What are you kind of mentioned it earlier that, that you're expanding the indoor facility. What are your future plans for mastery golf here in the low country? If you can say, um, do you have any other things planned here in the future other than obviously you're getting the expansion of the indoor facility as well? Yeah. So, uh, we're taking over, we're taking over the unit next door, which will give us another three bays and we can fit a fourth bay in here. So we have the potential to have seven bays. Um, and then long term, the goal is to to have more of these. So the next one ideally would be in Pooler in Georgia. Mm. And then I'd love to have one in Charleston after that. Um, the only the only problem with that, Cole, is um, I uh, I don't like partners. Yeah. Uh, so and not not that it's in a bad way. But I like to do everything on my own. So like I I I didn't get any help on this paid for all this stuff on my own, same deal over there, paying for it all on my own. Um, I I want to be in control of my own destiny. So with that being said, it's a little bit more difficult to expand as fast as I probably want to expand because I'd love to expand way faster than I, than I can. But at the same time, if I were to do that, I would need, you know, I would, I would need some, some help and I don't want that. Um, because again, that would get, bring me back to where I was before at the private club level where like there was a GM or a director of golf that I would have to kind of talk to and answer to and like that type of deal. And that, that's not what I, that's not what I want. So we definitely have plans of expanding. Um, but we're at this point, it's going to be kind of like a little bit of a slow grow. And ideally it's going to be kind of like low country from anywhere from, uh, probably Southern North Carolina down to like Northern Georgia. Like that's, that's, I'd be totally cool with that. in in, in 15 years, if we had a number of, um, facilities from there, right, right now, if I have seven bays and three coaches, um, right here, and then I can go to Pooler, which is like just a jumping area right now, which is about 30 minutes down the road. And I can have another facility there. And then the next one can be like in the Charleston area. Like that would be, that would be great. That would be absolutely great. Um, and I'm, I'm a dreamer. So I'm always like, this, this is how I work. I'm always thinking about this stuff, but it, it's hard to be a dreamer and to not want help. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. It'd be easy for me to be like, cause I've got people that like, I've, I've got members in here that I work with and they, they're, 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 like, Hey, I'd love to like come in and, and be part of the business with you and help you expand and all that stuff. But again, then it's, then it's not, then I have to talk to somebody else. It's not my business. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, it would be the majority of my business, but I still have to talk with somebody else. So, right. um, I, I like to be kind of in control at this point in my life. Makes sense. Puller, Puller would be a good spot. I used to live over there in Savannah, kind of close to it. I and mean, it's really growing like Pooler's crazy popping right yeah, now crazy. And if you look at the demographics they're super close to like hilton head believe it or not which blew my mind in regards to family household income and everything else and the age is like cut in half in regards to that right yeah, yeah a lot of military uh, which, families and yeah i mean so it's um and i think you know there's not a lot of 
facilities kind of like what we do in Pooler yet. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get there sooner than later. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal. Next one would certainly be Pooler. Nice. Very cool. Rusty, you got anything else for Bill? I know we're kind of at the hour mark. We don't want to keep you too long here, Bill. I know you got to get home. Yeah, no, I was just, uh, you have a book. I, I see. I do have a book. I, um, I wrote a book in 2015 based on a number of the uh, data uh, and uh, I guess information you can say that I've been able to absorb with a lot of the, the players that have come through the tour players. It's called the five tour fundamentals of golf. Um, it's a super, we uh, shoot the poor editor when I was writing that thing, I had it so complicated and she was like, who are you trying to target? And I was like, well, the average golfer. And she's like, well, you got to completely do this. Cause I don't like the average golfer is not going to get this. This is like for golf coach. So was it like the golfing, was it like the golfing machine? It, well, it wasn't that crazy, but it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Damn near close. Uh, so then we had, like, I redid the whole thing and I made it super simple in regards to like, you know, the, the information, the data that, that I had uh, at that time. And uh, it's been good. So, so it's like, it's like, it's a super short, easy read. It's like just around a hundred pages. And um, yeah, we launched that in 2015. I'd love to do a little like version two of it at some point, but uh, I got that. And then I also have, um, I, I have a training aid. I, I've got a patent on a training aid that I came out with a number of years ago. We won in, uh, what was it? twenty. 2020 at the PGA uh, PGA show, we won um, uh, we won an award for like the best training aid there. Uh, it's called Impact Press. Um, done an absolutely terrible job promoting it because I'm teaching all the time. Uh, but uh, and Cole's probably never even seen the damn thing. I have to say, I don't but, know what um, this is. That yeah, but uh, wait, that was that's your the, wow. Yeah. So, so I, I know about it. Yeah. I got a, I got a patent on that thing and, uh, and everything. So, and that's just from a, that's from a dumb golf instructor that figured all that crap out. So, uh, so yeah, I got a book and uh training aid that, um, I'm kind of burying into the ground right now, but I'm, we're going to do a little rebirth here over the next half year and get that thing back up. And, and we're going to start trending and probably come out with some more products there too. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I have an entrepreneur mindset. I just like helping people, right? So whether it's like coaching, uh, I do online remote lessons. I've got students from 13 different countries. I got tour players in different countries. I do a lot of that. It's the books. It's the the training aids. Like I just, I love helping people. So anything I can do in in that standpoint, I try and figure out like how I can continue to help people. What what would be? I haven't read your book. I'm about to buy it, but. You know, Hank Haney has. Oh, you don't have to buy it, dude. I'll just give you one. Okay, How's I'll that? take one then. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Hank Haney has kind of his three keys keys to golf. I think it's you know no no three putts, no two chips, and no out of bounds. If you were to give, you know, the average golfer that's maybe trying to, I got to drink again because you said that. <laughs> if you're gonna give the average golfer, you know, somebody trying to break a hundred, break ninety, break eighty, what would be a couple keys that you would say? non-swing related this is a great question um don't play with cole (laughs) don't play with cole that's one um drink lots of don't watch anything cole does that's two (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um no so things good every now and then 
Cole, Cole's doing a lot of things good. Um, all right, so so here's what it would be, and and there there are some merits to to the the whole Hank Haney thing. I just I lose track every every other two years when he's co- going on whatever the flipping marketing thing mm. he's doing at that that standpoint. But yeah. um, no offense to Hank, but um, so love you, Hank. That's right, love you. No, I don't. But um, <laughs> so uh, if you can get off the tee. And get it, like, keep it in front of you, no penalty strokes. And I don't care what club it is. That'd be one thing, right? So it's like, just because it's a 422-yard par four and you are you hit the driver-like garbage and you also hit the three-wood-like garbage, um, hit a hybrid. Get it out there in front of you because penalty strokes, strokes, as Hank said, uh, can, um, can, can kick your ass, right? Uh, and then it would be working really uh, aggressively from pretty much 50 yards and in. Approach wedge play, chipping, pitching, green sign, bunker play, and putting. You can make a lot up in that area from 50 yards and in. Uh, I think that would be super helpful for folks. Everyone's so wrapped into like, because this, there's this par four, this par five, uh, I, I need to hit a driver. But if you hit your driver like absolute garbage and you hit it, you have a big, massive two-way miss, and sometimes we 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 lose golf balls. Like, there's no point in hitting that right now. So go get some help. And if you're not getting help, don't hit the club. What's the next club? Three wood. Oh, I hit that a little bit better. I can keep that in front of me, but maybe still like I miss a little bit left or right. I miss balls. Okay, what's the next club? Hybrid. Okay, I hit that. That thing can stay in front of me. Cool. There's more loft. It's shorter. Um, I can make that work. Does it take three to get to the green? Yes. Can I two putt? Can I make bogey? Yes. Uh, if I were to do that for the average golfer, they'd probably be okay at golf. But like, I would say that, like figure out a way to get off the tee without penalty strokes and then get really good from 50 yards and in. I like it. Maybe I need to get a hybrid. (laughs) That's right. Or, or play, uh, the junior tees. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I get four iron from there. You hit it far enough. You can make some of that work. Old field, you know, you can make that work at old field. You can. You can. Depends what tees you're playing. But, yeah. Like in the, the tournaments out there, all from the white tees, I hardly pull the driver. I like it. Yeah. And, and we're, we're trending there. We're going to get that thing figured out here. Absolutely. Listen, all I know is what you do in here. We're getting you to move in the right direction. I got to get on the golf course to see what's going on with you on the golf course. And we invited you several uh, times. You're just, uh, like you said, too busy for us. Well, you, you, well, you invited me once, uh, <laughs> and and I I couldn't make it, so we'll have to do that again. Okay, yeah. Actually, I should say Steve invited me once, and you were part of the text chain. That's true. So you haven't invited me at all. But okay, uh, well, we'll I'll have, have to that. change that. You're the you're the That's man with right. the kid and the busy schedule, though. So you just tell me when when we'll go play. I like the sound of that. Yeah. I got one more question. We'll let you run. All right. And I want you to be honest about this. Oh, shoot. I can't be honest. (laughs) So everybody can hear, good or bad. What are the odds that I can become a scratch golfer? Oh, no one gives a shit. Come on. (laughs) I need to know. No time frame. Just in the next, by next December, is it possible? All right, so where are we at? Oh, yeah, okay, so how about this? You need to completely change 
everything you currently do in regards to how you structure your time and what you do with your time. If, if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. Like, so, so think about it, like how often you play compared to how often you practice when you are practicing what you're actually working on. Right. You're probably playing a hell of a lot more. For sure. And your practice is like maybe on the range as you're trying to get warmed up before you're about to go to the first tee and God luck, you know, good luck on that. Yeah. Cause then you're, then you're going to have a checklist of like three things when you're going to the first tee and that's not going to work out well. It does not. So no, I'm so, so like, and I tell, I've told you this, I, I tell every other golfer in here, like there needs to be a time and place to structure how we go about improving. And like, you needed to, you need to do your pretty much due diligence in regards to like, Hey, I need to figure out a way to play potentially less or at least get and practice more. It doesn't need to be much. You could go to, you can go like two days a week for 20 minutes each day. That's not a lot of time focusing on whatever we need to be focusing on at that time, based on the plan that like you and I have here. Mm -hmm. I, I will never tell anybody they can't do something but I will tell folks all day until I'm blue in the face. If you don't listen to me and you don't spend the time and you're not working on what I want you to work on, you're not going to achieve your goals. And yeah. most, most people are like, will tell me like, yeah, I'll do X or Y. And then I ask when they come in be like, Oh no, I've only been playing. Haven't gotten a chance to practice anything else. Like that's hard. You know, even if I do give you some stuff that you could utilize more on the golf course, you're still going to be so busy upstairs that the brain's going to be clouded. And like, you're, you're not going to be able to perform mm -hmm. a tour player wouldn't be able to do that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to tell somebody they can't do something, but like, you gotta, you gotta completely change what, like your, what you're doing in regards to your, your preparation and how you're practicing and how often you're playing and when you're playing and all that stuff. Yeah. You gotta put the time in. Well, you just gonna be better with your time. You know what I mean? It's not like you need, you just gonna be better with your time. I tell that to everybody. Like, I mean, shoot, you don't, you don't have to put too much more time in. You just gotta be better with your time and where you're actually focusing that time. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Rusty, you got anything else before we let, let Bill run? Yeah, just one. Um, obviously, thank you for the time. Are you able to use your resources to help us find Anthony Kim? <laughs> yes. We, I know his. I know his former coach, uh, but but goddamn, I, I I don't know. I got so that ten year deal, right? So on his uh, on that insurance policy, that thing's got to be almost up or about like up at this point, right? I think so, and I think Liv was trying to yeah, get him to come play. I heard he was on the Liv would have paid him double. Yeah, um, I'll be. Uh, here's the crazy thing. Think about this, right? Um, and listen, all people are different. All people need different amounts of money to, to live whatever life they want to live. But like 10 million bucks to like an Anthony Kim in regards to how good that kid was. It's not a lot of money to walk away from the game for as long as he's been away based on that insurance policy. So that makes me. That's like one good year. That Yeah, that makes me question like. I don't think the kid really wants to or wanted to keep doing what he was doing. Right. I've worked with a lot of, a lot of really good golfers and like they get to a point, especially the, um, 
and I know, I know Anthony's been over in the States here, but like I've worked with a lot of more so the girls, the Asian culture, where it's like from the time they're really young, their parents are really hard on them. And like, they, they only have access to the, the ranges in, in Tokyo or wherever. And like, they're, they're hitting a lot of golf balls and they're constantly practicing and it's like a job. And once they actually make it, like Yanni Sang is a complete, this is a perfect example for Yanni Sang. Um, by the time she was a, she got on tour and started winning, she was already done with golf. Um, and then she continued to play pretty good golf. She was the number one player in the world and, um, she played really good golf, but because of how she was brought up and all the pressure on her and, and, and all of that, she was done with golf. She didn't want to practice. She, she got, she was super lack, lackadaisical. Um, she like, I, there's a lot of that, right? So it's like, everyone's different. There's not a lot of tiger woods in the world where it's like, I'm all, I always want to get better. I'm always going to figure out a way to get better and all that. It's like, you know, if you're from a young age, it becomes like a job. Maybe it was for Anthony. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know, but, um, that's hard. So it's like, if, if somebody like uses that buyout for the insurance thing and they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to take that money, 10 mil, whatever it was. And I'm just going to like kind of walk away. I don't know. That tells me like they probably don't want to continue to do what they were doing in regards to the profession. Cause that guy could have made that in two years. Easily. We've so been, been I'm trying to find or, him for a while or quadrupled it from live. I'll tell you, if you, you know. want to find him, go to Texas. He's in Texas. Uh, so okay. there we go. I mean, he's between Dallas. There's and, three spots. I'm, Dallas, Dallas and Austin. He's between Dallas and Austin. I'll tell you that for sure. All right, we know where to look. All right, what? Then we'll be in Waco. That's right. Look, look for a guy with some longer hair around shoulder height with a lot of tats. Now he's got a lot of tats. Does he? I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, yep. yeah. And good for him. He's enjoying life. He maybe can play his play golf with his buddies and you know do whatever the hell he wants to do. But I just don't think that dude wants to compete or play or get back to professional golf. I mean, it's a great thing. Everyone's like, "Where's Anthony Kim? Is he coming back? He's never coming back." Never. Yeah. It's way too long. Even if he tried to come back, it wouldn't be good. Very good. That's right. That's now true. Now we know. That's true. <laughs> but what a talent. Man, he was fun to watch. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. Well, I don't know. I mean, shoot, good for him. He made a fair amount of money. He got the buyout. I mean, 10 million bucks, whatever. He can live his life, you know? And yeah. Maybe if he's responsible for his money, he's good. Maybe he's like got some other business things going on, and uh, who knows? We'll have to find him and get him on the show. We will find. That's out. right. Listen, the three of us will will fly into Dallas. I got some friends, okay, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll travel between Dallas and Austin, and we'll we'll stop at every town, and we'll 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 do the Anthony Kim uh, search fest. That's right. We'll play golf with him when we find Just him. Get on I thirty five. There you go. Perfect. Well, Bill, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. I know we, we took a little bit of extra time there, but uh, thanks so much for coming on. It was a pleasure, as always. Uh, looking forward to, to continuing to working with you, get my game right. We'll, we'll see you next week, hopefully, and uh, maybe we'll Absolutely. get out there and play soon. No doubt. This is a lot of fun. Thank you, and a uh, pleasure to meet you, buddy. And um, uh, this, this was a lot of fun. So thanks for your time, gentlemen. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Have a good All one. Right. You too. Have a good night.